Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning at this hour. So you want to buy a co-op, you've done all the legwork, and you're gearing up to take on the co-op board. The bad news is that co-op boards in New York City can operate with complete impunity unless a board violates the city's human rights law, which prohibits rejection for any reason based on race, sex, and age. The board can reject you for whatever reason it wants. And the board has no obligation to tell you why. Also at this hour, New York City studios are typically the most inexpensive apartments to live in, but they come with some concerns chiefly. Will living in one single room drive you nuts? For that reason, outdoor space attached to a studio where one can spread out for at least part of the year is prized. But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York on this Tuesday morning. I'm Vince Rocker, your host. And in the news this morning, a 24-acre Wainscott estate in the Hamptons cut $16 million off the asking price. Burnt Burnt Point, a 24-acre estate on Georgia Capon, dropped its price again to $59 million behind the hedges reported the other day. In 2015, the Pond side estate listed for $95 million, but the price was slashed to $75 million. A year later, the 18000 Square foot home features eight bedrooms with 12 full bathrooms and three half bathrooms. It also got it has a wine cellar, home theater, tennis court, library, fitness room, among other amenities. And Sotheby's International in the Hamptons is handling that listing. After a sluggish end to 2017, luxury resale closings picked up in the first quarter with sellers adjusting to current market conditions. Deeper discounts were offered in response to rising inventory and tax reform's impact on tax benefits of home ownership. This increase in activity drove the average resale apartment price 12% higher than a year ago as closings over $5 million rose 25%. A 30% decline in new development closings brought the average price for all apartments 8% lower than 2017's first quarter. New developments on average sell for double a typical resale apartment, so a big drop in their sale has significant impact on the overall ask av- overall average price. The steep decline in new development activity brought the average condo price down to $2,751,000, but the average condo price for just resale apartments was 9% higher than a year ago. Cooperative apartment prices rose in the first quarter this year with their average price 16% higher than a year ago. That's very interesting. Gains were led by three-bedroom and larger apartments whose average price rose sharply to $4,180,000. Less than a month after the first buyer at 432 Park Avenue closed on an $18.1 million pad in 2015, the unit just hit the rental market for $60,000 per month. It reappeared this past January, however, as one of the tower's first resale listings priced at $17.499 million, a roughly $618,000 loss. In the last six months, 13 resales at the Maclo Properties uh, Super Tall have quietly hit the market, nearly triple the number of sponsor units available, according to listings from uh, the database Street Easy. Brokers said that although the luxury market has cooled, meaning sellers may not get top dollar, rising inventory on billionaires row and lingering uncertainty about the market has made some skittish investors eager to cash out before the competition heats up. Lower Fifth Avenue just got high. A new marijuana dispensary is about to open. Fifth Avenue, which runs along the full length of Central Park, is about to get even greener. 
Los Angeles-based MedMen plans to open a 10,000-square-foot medical marijuana dispensary at 433 5th Avenue. The New York Post has reported, billed as the Barneys of Weed, the dispensary is slated to open on April 20th with an unofficial stoner holiday. I wonder if you can get a martini there as well. That Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> you can do it, 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 do it at Barney's. Instead, right? of, instead of an olive in your martini, you get like a weed nut. You get a little, <laughs> a little gummy bear, right? Marketing idea for them. Yeah. Hey, get your the shop will, <laughs> the shop will only brownie. sell to state <laughs> residents who are medically qualified to receive marijuana and will be the third dispensary permitted to open in Manhattan. Isn't that something? All right, so we're going to say good morning today to Tracy Hammersley, who is back in New York hey, City from good Miami. Morning. Good morning, what? and good welcome morning. back. She's, nice to be back and see you guys. She's from Douglas Elliman, and Phil Horgan is here, leasebreak.com, and we have an announcement on his uh, part coming up. Matthew Cohen from CORE and Sean McPeak from Compass. So I wanted to start with Phil this morning. He has an announcement for us all, and it's a very big and very wonderful announcement. You know, we have had our issues, you know, through the, uh, well, I don't know, a year and a half maybe with Street Easy. Uh, a website that is very popular in New York City, actually around the world, in searching for rentals, for sales, for buys, for whatever. Um, but they have been naughty recently with charging <laughs> brokers um, so fees naughty. for rental listings and a bunch of other things uh, on the sales side. So Phil uh, has um, an announcement. He's going to talk about an alternative. So great. Tell us about it. Good morning, everyone. How's it going? Uh, very exciting day. So if it's okay, Vince, I'm going to step back a little bit so to see where we are. So Back in the 90s, there was the internet started. That and far back, really? <laughs> right, that far back. It doesn't even, That's it's like crazy, right? Ago, right? It's My crazy. Goodness. And the individual broker firms at first started to get on the web, and they got a lot of traffic. I remember Corcoran was one of the first websites to get on, um, and Craigslist was huge at that point. And that's where the traffic was. And then the New York Times came along, and then they became the dominant player. And that's where all the traffic was going. They were the go-to portal. And they were the go-to portal at that point for listings. And then a website, which right now will be named, will will not be named. um, I'm not going to mention his name just yet. uh, Was very transparent, was free, and really was incredible. And they became the go-to place. And the name of that website was Street Easy. And at first, brokers were a little hesitant when it came along. and But they realized that transparency was the way to go. And that dominated the marketplace. But then Zillow bought them. And then unfortunately, ruined what Street Easy created. And in the last year, there's been so much deception and greed <clears throat> That, I mean, I, I, as an agent who's been doing this for 14 years, an agent, as an agent, is just, I mean, mortified is the word. So I decided to start something new. So I wanted to create a real estate marketplace where the integrity of the real estate marketplace literally comes first above all else before profits, before making money, that is my focus. If it means that I'm gonna not make money, then I'm not gonna make money. If it means that we have to be a nonprofit, then we become a nonprofit. It, the, it's so important to me, maybe just I love New York City, I love being an agent so much, I, I, just, I love apartments, I love homes, I wanna make sure that it's protected forever. So I decided to launch a new website. I'm gonna give you the name first. As most of you know, I always talk about I have a lot recently how a real estate marketplace should flow and function freely. So because of that, the name of the website is the word freely, but it's the the phonetic spelling, F-R-E-L-E. And this will be a reminder of this free-flowing marketplace that we want. That's the focus. 
And I want everyone to know about this four-point pledge that we're launching with. That is the crux of, of, of the whole website and what we believe in. If you go to freely.com, F-R-E-L-E.com backslash pledge, you'll see the pledge there. Please share it. It's the only way that we're going to compete with a billion-dollar company. And if I can, I'll just go quickly go through the four points of the pledge. So here's the pledge, guys. First, there's four points. The first point, transparency above all else. Like I said, even profits. That's the focus, and I will make that my mission. The second is it's always free to list an apartment on the site. Sure, we'll have an option if you want a featured listing, what have you, but there has to be an option where it's always an option to have a listing on the site for free. Brokers should not have to pay for their listings. Landlords shouldn't have to pay and tenants shouldn't have to pay. This is how you get a free flowing marketplace is you allow everyone to come on the platform. And that is what I really believe in. Exactly. There's no barrier. Get everyone on there. And the third thing is always a direct and free contact your ability to uh, an ability to interact directly and freely with the lister of the property i mean the person who actually knows the, about the property yes, that they're trying to sell yes. i mean as we know premier agent i have been talking about okay. that a lot how deceptive that is but that is i mean come on street easy was always great you, the old street easy was was great because you could you could interact directly with the property that is why consumers loved it so much this is not about brokers making more money. That is, that's not true. That's not why we want to do this. It has to be completely free and direct. And the fourth thing, and this is really important, and I want to make sure everyone knows it. I will never, ever, ever sell the company to Street Easy or to Zillow, ever. And that means not for a billion dollars, not for a trillion dollars. It doesn't matter. I have to come out with that pledge now because I want to make sure everyone knows that what happened to Street Easy is not going to happen to this new entity freely. So please go to the pledge, guys. And if you have any questions, I'd love to. That, love that, to- that's very admirable, the fact that you, you can though? say and mm-hmm. state up front that, yeah, of course we trust him, that you would never sell that. I think that's a biggie because I think part of the problem with Street Easy was, Street Easy was the fact that they were sold and bought by uh, a company who really didn't understand the New York City marketplace. Therefore, they kind of went sideways. So that's that's a great thing. I think it's funny. People in other cities refer to it as easy street. They get confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get a little they chuckle do. after that. They yeah. do. Um, just a quick question, though. Um, yep. Direct and free contact with Lister. Just explain that one more time Absolutely. because I think that's very, yeah, very important. Yeah. So if you're an agent, a landlord, or a tenant, and you post your property on our site, if you're then a renter or an agent who's who wants to contact that lister, that poster, you have questions about the property, you will have direct contact. Your email will go directly to the person posting it. Now, this is important because right now what Street Easy has done is they've put a middleman in between there. It's called the Premier Agent Program. And there is a buyer's agent essentially that's paying for that privilege. And it's very deceptive. It's considered bait and switch. Almost, I've talked to hundreds of agents it is very rare that the consumer has any idea that they're being put in touch with this third party who's paying to be there that doesn't know anything about the property. So on our website, if you have a posting and you're a broker, your the leads on that listing will go directly to you for free always, forever. I don't want to mess with the listing. The listing and the apartment is a very pure thing. I know as an agent how difficult it is to even get an exclusive, these relationships with landlords, are over years with buyers, with sellers. If you have a listing, everything, every little, you know, question or inquiry should come directly to you and you should not, there should not be any barrier in between you 
and the consumer or the other agent as well, if there's a buyer's agent or a renter's agent. Well said, and that's a very important part because we as, as, as agents and, and brokers in this town work really hard to protect our listings. As Tracy said earlier, we as the listing agent know the most about uh, each individual listing that we put out there. You're so hired when someone for a else, <laughs> you're hired for a reason, and that's why we have exclusives in this town. And and so for anybody else to try and represent that, that gets a little crazy. Congratulations, Mazel Tov, as they say. Break a leg. Let's see how fast and 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 quickly you can get up and running. And, and again, and for those that are thinking it. like you know this sounds exciting, I want to help. The way you could help is just to go to freely.com/backslash/pledge. Everyone at this table too, and we make it really easy to share it. Just share it with your colleagues, with your friends, just people that just say, "Hey, this is a cool thing that my friend started." We have to get the word out there, and I want. And even if even if it doesn't help my site, at least it'll help expose what's going on right now in the marketplace and how deceptive and how greedy some of the other competitors have been. All right, we have to take a break. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We'll continue on the other side of the break with our hot topics on our panel, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back for Hot Topics. Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman is here. Phil Horrigan, leasebreak.com. Matthew Cohen from Core and Sean McPeak from Compass. All right, so if you want to buy a co-op, you've done all the legwork and you're gearing up to take on that co-op board, the bad news is that co-op boards in New York City can operate uh, with complete impunity unless a board violates the city's human rights law, which prohibits uh, rejections for reasons of race sex, age, etc. The board can reject you for whatever reason it wants, and the boards have no obligation to tell you why. Here are some of the top reasons potential buyers are rejected by co-op boards. Number one, bad financials. So how many times do we see in our businesses 
buyers come through and board packages that we put together and we are a little um questioning we we question rather their their financial stability why why is this so important in a co-op versus say a condo i mean it's a it's clearly a reason that a board can turn you down right so why what what do we suggest to our people because for the most part in co-ops you have a board that basically dictates dictates excuse me everything whereas you know sometimes condo buildings nowadays i was gonna say sometimes they now have these boards and they they you know forego right of first refusal and things like that but in co-ops you have a board that's going to really you know Tra- track you down, nail you down, you know, look into you in detail. And one of the biggest things is your financials. And they want to make sure that you're going to live there and be able to afford to live there and not, you know, not be able to pay maintenance or not be able to pay your rent. These are reasons why a co-op board, if they feel like you are on the cusp, on the fence, or, um, you know, are a good profile, but y- you have a little, you know, some cons and negatives in your financials, they'll ask you for escrow to make sure that you have that timeline. And so what is the best way to make sure that an applicant that's bidding on your apartment, whether directly to you or with another co-broker to you, what's the best way to make sure that these people have the finances that are required before you get to a board package? I mean, quite frankly, a lot of newer agents don't even think about anything. They get a board package and all of a sudden they're looking at numbers and saying, well, this person's not going to qualify for the board. I typically ask for uh, some of their financials uh, after they submit the offer. Um, if they want me to take the offer seriously, I'm going to need to see some type of bank statements and proof tax of returns. Funds, tax returns. Or, I mean, if you're uh, seller's agent or a buyer's agent. Seller's agent. Okay. Well, even as a buyer's agent, I yeah, mean, you before should know you, who you're working with. Absolutely, you need to know who you're working with because you know you go out there, they'll tell you everything you want to hear. You go running around the world for six months or three months, whatever it takes to find that apartment. And then when it goes comes down to putting an offer in, and you realize that your buyer does not have the financials that they need for a co-op. Or they've misrepresented. And how many times have we seen that? Yeah, I was going to say, you just reminded me that so many times I've met with buyers and had that initial meeting. And we talk about what the co-op requirements are. I don't know about you guys, but I usually mention, you know, average debt to income, like around 30%, probably less. 25 to 20 25 to 30. At least two years of liquidity in the bank of monthly <laughs> monthly maintenance and mortgage. And, and we, after these conversations, and maybe you guys have had this experience as well, where you realize a lot of people are not qualified and they're surprised. They go, oh, I guess I have to wait another one or two years to save, to save up, up yeah. so I can buy. Mm-hmm. And borrow. you just saved yourself so much time and so much as a broker because otherwise, and by the way, you save their time too. I mean, so that initial discussion is so important. I find it two big things when it comes to co-op financials. I always find that, first of all, buyers do not understand, well, not even understand, but it's hard to get a buyer to understand what is actually considered liquid liquid from a board because even, you know, because sometimes it's building to building even where, you know, you might say, Hey, you can consider some of your 401k because they'll consider what the penalties are or, you know, vice versa with IRA penalties. Like there's so many different ways you can go about it. Most stocks are liquid. Well, right. And I'm, you know, so it's, I always find that number one, number two, like this is why most co-op deals in Manhattan are are co-broked. Like, it's such a good reason because, you know, we are all very good on our own, but what's wrong with having a second set of eyes? It only helps. And so much so that even, uh, like, to your point, Maddie, uh, the the management of a a certain co-op will even charge less fees if there's a co-broker involved in the transaction. And listen, for all that we sometimes complain about all this, in the big financial crisis, this is what saved New York, especially in the city. There were so few foreclosures because even though people um, might have gotten laid off of very expensive, high-paying jobs, they had 
had this liquid cushion still, so they weren't having to be you know forced out on the street. So it, and, it has and its the reasons. Down payments yeah. and, and everything, and yeah. That's right, and the higher down payments, and that is definitely still you know pretty much status quo here in New York exactly. City with co-ops. They protect their corporations, they protect their building, they protect their residents. And, I don't and, have to go into my pocket and start paying, you know, for three other apartments to carry you know, because they're in arrears. People complain about it and people think it's arrogant, I guess, you know, in some cases. But I have to tell you something, you know, when you're living in a co-op, if you get into a co-op and you're living in a co-op, it actually is very good you know, secure living for the most part. There's always something that can and will go wrong, but for, but for the most part, it's very secure. The next one says, you want to use the apartment as a pied-a-terre, okay? So co-ops have a rule or don't. What what is what, Why is that a particular uh, issue when applying to a co-op board? I want to use it only part-time. I want to use it as a pied-a-terre. I'm not going to call this my primary residence. This is a, this is to me is a, the toughest issue. I've had only a few turndowns in Very my tough. fourteen years, and everyone yes. has been related to pied Oh wow! And part of it is because well, I mean, we assume right. I mean, the, the financials were impeccable, and and then we could tell because like when the broker would relist it, they would say no pied on the uh, listing uh, and stuff like that. Well, so let they, me ask you something. Did 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 they apply as a pied buyer, or did they apply as well? So I don't know what I'm going to do. Exactly, Vince. You just hit on the because. So, it's it's tricky. Some I've had one buyer that pretended it wasn't a pit of tear. It was really a pit of, pit of tear for the family, and the son was going to live there full time. They didn't uh, allow parents. Ooh, yeah. they didn't like that. And, and so, cohorts are and smart they, enough in most yeah, cases to yes. suss that they, out. Yes, they, they sniffed it out. So you want to be really honest. An, another one that. was that it's, it was questionable whether the co-op allowed a pied tear and the tough thing about pied tears is it could change at any point the co-op board may say you know we have enough pied tears uh let's let's put a we want more full-time residents who are going to be around taking better care of the building that's, that's right. kind of this that's the right sense and there. the other thing is what it's always important when someone says do they allow pied tears you have to define what it is because there are some co-ops that say we don't like pied tears but what they really mean is that they don't want the person say who's buys they really live in europe and the apartment is like a, a, a revolving door for their family, well, but, but they do allow the the family that lives one town over or in Jersey and is just going to come into the city on the weekends, like that kind of pied tear they may allow. Well, I was going to say sometimes the red flag is the person who in your application shows that they're not selling their primary home, whether it's in Westchester, whether <laughs> it's in New Jersey, wherever it is. So there's a primary something, something, right? So now you're buying this co-op for what reason? Right. Now, there are a few that that are kind of lenient with pied-a-terres or part-time residents, but for the most part, they're not. And I've had people question my applicants, you know, a couple of times. I had one board turned down in 16 years, but it was probably wow. because of that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah, I know, that's kind of amazing, right? But, amazing. But, but at the end of the day, it could be that you know they look at a primary residence in new jersey and say well what do you want this apartment for you know and the other reason is too when you pietatera is such a sticky thing with with boards because they don't want the the couple's children coming in and out of town having party weekends when parents are not home right. and disrupting the whole environment over there. So and it's very problem. I was going to say for agents out there that listen to the show, I, I always get questions from um, agents that I mentor when it comes to you know, co-op processes, they always say, so the board and management told us that this policy is case by case. No, what would you do no, in this right, situation? Right. Um, it's, it's hard because well, obviously... That, that's straws. I mean, you know, I have no idea. What right. It's hard. I always say, you know, it, it depends on the feeling that I get, first of all, from yeah, both right. the co-op and the broker if I know anything. Um, but, you know, just disclose everything to your client and let them know that it <laughs> is case by case. At the same time, I just got board approval downtown in a co-op, like, just yesterday um yeah. you know the thank you like i was selling it the you know they said 
editors were case by case. Buyer's broker was very adamant, like perfect profile of the buyer. So, you know, we kind of took a chance. Um, I'd but be at very the same nervous with that one. Mm-hmm. Well, so instead of we took a chance and we accepted it, but before we went into contract, I actually had a really great conversation with the broker who does most of the sales in the building and okay. lives That's in the building. And this expert or yeah, and this is where like another great way co broking and just working with brokers is so great because we all kind of came to a decision, all three of us. And, 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 uh, and it paid off. Yeah, triple and it paid off. Well, that's, <laughs> well, 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 first of all, your point about working with a broker who kind of does a lot of business in that building, that's always so a benefit. Yeah. Always a benefit if, if benefit if you can find that. And Sometimes if they're cooperative. They speaking well, right. of co-ops. Well, we're going to get to agent behavior. If, if, if that doesn't happen, though, sometimes you can, um, if your seller knows someone on the board, they yeah. can maybe have an informal well, that, that question. Uh, right, the ne- the next one says erratic employment history. So your buyer kind of has erratic history of, of work. You know, they may be independent contractors. Maybe they're an actor. Maybe they're a musician. Maybe they're a whole bunch of things. What does the co-op really look at when they say, hmm, what's your employment history about? Co-ops like consistency. Uh, that's what I always say. I always say Perfect. the longer you've been somewhere, the better. Um, you know, obviously if you had like a perfect ideal situation, co-ops love full-time employees, like full-time employees with benefits at, you know, at big companies, things like that. Um, I recently submitted a board package for a building where the, the main broker in the building who I just happen to know who I absolutely love, he was like, Oh, both your attorney, you know, both of your clients are attorneys, like the co-op off the record loves that, you know, for example. So wow, I, I thought you were going to go the other way with that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> attorneys you, you are know, not usually know, well, welcome. But like attorneys <laughs> That's that, exactly what I you know, right. meaning like attorneys yeah. who have been at their firms for over 10 years, you know, are, are both, uh, one's a partner, like one's on track, things like that, like consistency, long-term things. Maybe that's more with rentals that attorneys are yeah, sometimes <laughs> shunned. But I mean, so so how do how do real estate agents get away with that? Because we're independent contractors. We make money, but we don't make consistent salary. <laughs> <by condos. laughs> Proud condo owner. And and listen, I know I have a lot of friends who do own co-ops. Matthew just bought a co-op. So I mean, at the end of the day, people do own co-ops, <laughs> but they're not so easy because co-ops say, listen, you know, you can make a hundred thousand this year, you can make nine hundred this year, you can make fifty this year. So where is the consistency in earning? The, the, the next one is your lifestyle. Why should a co-op board be interested or even concerned about your lifestyle? This is a very important one, okay? I mean like you social can, media, check, checking out your social media. Um, uh, your lifestyle just in general. Oh, in now, general. now today I'm assuming that they look at social media like everybody else does. Yeah. In the right. past, when I first started in the business, social media didn't exist. So. Employers can check Facebook. Correct. So, but 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 your lifestyle no, in general. No, Facebook will just give them the information. Pretty <laughs> they don't want a bad neighbor. They like to have low turnover in the building, and they want to have someone who's courteous and who's going to take care of the building. And you know, it just it's just uh, the benefits of living in a co-op versus a rental, for instance. Well, I mean, I know in the past when I was selling a lot more co-ops than I am today. You know. Gay people have issues. Single women have issues. Single men have issues. So this is part of the lifestyle thing. Sure. At, at one point, Jewish people had issues in certain buildings. Sure. What, I, to me, I find it thank, beyond, thank God those days are, for the most part, I, behind I, us, I can't right? even begin People would believe that people would even have these issues. But anyway, they did. They existed. Not so much today. But 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 why? This is I mean, all under the lifestyle umbrella. But why does anyone care? If you're financially solvent, if you're a good person and you can afford to live there, 
Why not? On paper, I'm, that's it. That's the definition of whether you're approved or not. But the reality is, I know. I was, yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm actually going to run for my call board this year, and it's, it's nerve wracking. Hey, but I was going to say great. that being a millennial who grew up in our industry, I think oh, I good. always we'll get some good like, juicy stories on the air. <laughs> coming up, huh? I relate all of this to age. I, I think that you know what you were saying, like if you're single or not. It's age. A co-op board, in my opinion, won't mind if you're single if you're older. But if you're single and you're younger, they are nervous about it. Sure. I think if you're married and you're younger, they're nervous about it. Like if they're if you're in your twenties and you're buying a co-op for a certain amount of money, you know, it just kind of like the you know the ears on the co-op board kind of like went go up like on a dog like is it you know the it's something that sparks their just their level of um curiosity their level of worriedness if per se so well for, i really for, find it about age for example i was selling um i was selling a, a lovely single woman who is actually a friend of mine and we were going to apply to a co-op board and the listing agent said she's single i said yes she is um does she have a boyfriend i said no she does not and she said, well, the board is going to have a problem with that. And I said, well, what's the problem with that? She's financially secure. On and on. The long and short of it all yeah. was that board or people in that building were fearful of young single women coming into the building to live because they were fearful Sex that their, the husband, city, their husbands <gasps> might stray. No. Or that, Oh, this, the oh broker God. told me this. And I thought, no. you can't even be telling me this for I've real. I've never heard this before. How, what, what year is this? This is recent? A long no, time ago. 2000, when I started, 2002, 2003, okay. something like that. That's not so long ago. Listen, I mean, I'm not so That's sure crazy. that it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, yeah. people have, look, well, most of these co-op people, you know, people living in co-ops are there for years and years and years and years. They would not be able to get into their own buildings today right, if exactly. they applied, right? So you can imagine their age oh. and their inter their <laughs> idiosyncrasies and then whatever else goes. I've only had two uh, turndowns ever and it was for the same apartment I was selling and yeah. it was ah, both couples were were unmarried couples yeah. and the and financials were that. there they were totally stable totally good kids and I'll ne- that's the only thing I it's can think a very of. I'll never forget problem. I'll never forget at Rosh Hashanah when I was a teenager both of my <laughs> both of my aunts are brokers in the city and they said they were like oh my god did you see Samantha on Sex in the City she got a co-op in the meatpacking district where she's the only single girl and they were like Matthew you will buy a place when you're married and I was like okay guys <laughs> okay and I wait a long time for that one All right, we, we have to take a break. Oh Leave it right Poor there. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back with the panel, Tracy Hammersley, Phil Horrigan, Matthew Cohen, and Sean McPeak. So... We get past the co-op stuff. Now on to studios. New York City studios are typically the most inexpensive apartments to live in, obviously because of the size. They're priced much lower than larger apartments, but they can come with some concerns. Cheaply, will living in one single room make you crazy over time? For that reason, outdoor space attached to a Mm -hmm. studio where one can spread out for at least part of the year is prized. How do we feel about that? I own one of those. I bought one of those. So I own a studio uh, it's actually a very large studio with outdoor space uh, in the 70s. And uh, yeah, I I totally agree. Like, I, first of all, it's the best. Of, I, I love this apartment. It was a total bachelor pad. Um, now, it also had a little alcove for the for the bed, sort of, but it, it wasn't an L-shaped. It just had like, it's hard to de- describe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, f- I felt like that that op- that terrace was 10 by 10. And it's it's beautiful, and it faces the back of the brownstones. And I mean, mean, coming from the suburbs, people would say, Are you crazy? But 10 by 10 in Manhattan's large. Yeah, and just having the door open even made it just feel like there was another room over there. Ground floor? No, it's a a walk up, uh, four flights up. You still have it? I still have it. I rent it out. Yeah, I still have it. I rent it out. All right. So, my question here is so, how readily available are these studios with outdoor space, whether it's on, you know, a top floor roof, whether it's garden? I mean, because a lot of people in this town prefer outdoor space, whether it's a studio-sized apartment or a larger one, but how readily available do you find studios with outdoor space in Manhattan or in Brooklyn? Um, I I don't find them a lot. I yeah. But I will say that if the studio... I, I usually find that if a studio has a door space, it's like an alcove studio or it has um, a way to be turned into a one bedroom. Like it's long enough, for example. Um, I sold an apartment two years ago on 36th and third I, I remember i was like oh this building terrible i was like it's right near where you enter the midtown tunnel i was like who would ever want to live here but it was like it was a high floor <laughs> it was horrible i remember i it was um i remember getting the listing and i was like this will be so fun um but it was a high floor studio with a terrace and we had a bidding war of like a hundred thousand over the asking it's the terrace and and i would i would stand on that terrace and it was just honking all the time from the tunnel <laughs> traffic and i was like have fun on that terrace well i want like, I, I, like, <laughs> I wanted to ask you you know what does it do what does outdoor space in a studio in particular because we're talking studios how does that add to the the, the, the pricing or the cost of, wait, of everything? Wait, actually, Tracy and I first became oh friends goodness, at a studio listing with, with a terrace. Space. Yes. That is right. Well, I was going to say our, our East Eighty Seventh Street. Our <laughs> fellow panel member and buddy Raymond Lord the Third had one that he just sold before he <laughs> went on world right. tour. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uptown, and yes. you know, he had uh-huh. a beautiful ground floor mm-hmm. outdoor space. That was space a very large studio, though. Very large. That was studio. an unusually large studio and yeah. a co-op. So you know, go figure. But 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 you know, outdoor space always adds to gay single. Let's keep going. We have to keep Ray anonymous. We're, we're breaking all, all rules here today. Did you I, say his name again? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Vince. Sorry, Raymond. We Back love you. you. <laughs> uh, but but it does add to the cost of, of studio uh, of an apartment when you have outdoor space. But in particular, in studios, studios. it really raises the price significantly. Uh, I just sold one a year ago, and the building I'm always working in, for $629,000. The studio is 417 awesome. wow. square feet. Outdoor space, not even 10 by 10. So it's a higher price per square foot with the outdoor space than just a regular studio in the same building. 
I think on the rental side, time. it adds significantly. I did one, um, I represent one on 49th Street, and the studio below is same footprint without the outdoor gets uh, $2,900, and we rent it for $3,500. Mm. And that was all wow. the outdoor space? Yeah, yeah it's a doorman building, sure. 49th Street, yeah. Awesome. Um, so what, so what are the, what are the downfalls of, of these type of apartments? I mean, of studios. Yeah. I actually, I lived in a studio on the Upper West Side for five years and I absolutely loved it. Like it was, but it depends on the layout. Like for, like for me, I remember seeing this studio because I was like, I'm dying to live alone. I was like, I can't live with another roommate from college. (laughs) She's a sorority girl. And, um, and I, no offense, Tracy. And I, I, um, I was like, when I walked into this place, I remember thinking this is perfect. Tons of closet space for a studio. It was an L-shaped studio. Perfect for like a single person. Now, I don't know how couples live in studios that... That drives me that, wild. That's the one that mystifies me because I've done a bunch of deals like couple, couples Oof. in studios. I'm like, God bless you. Man. Small Wait, studio, Lurry uh, side, husband, wife, little boy, yep, and yeah. a huge <gasps> dog, like what? a lab what? in a studio. That they had a bunk bed. Crazy, yeah, right? only in New York. What they right? didn't tell you is they wound up getting a storage unit and sticking <laughs> the kid and the dog in it. And the storage. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, there's no kind yeah. of life to that. I mean, no. really. But you know what? You get close real fast, right? If love can grow in a studio. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I have a very good friend who lives in Brooklyn. I think we talked about this last week when the Brooklyn uh, folk were here. Uh, I think, you know, they've been living in their studio 30 years in Brooklyn Heights. It's a beautiful studio and not very large. Oh, yeah. Wow. And very happy. I mean, they're you know, together a very long time. And, you know, it's I mean... the clutter? <laughs> I, 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 I can't even imagine. I mean, I used to get... I loved my studio. The, the, I owned a co-op studio as well. But, I mean, I just... I, I loved it. But after a while, it got a little claustrophobic when mm. I started... Spending more and more time. I guess the reason I had it then was I had still had a place up in in, in Westchester, and this is kind of like sure. you know Pierre Terre, you know whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I spent more time here than there, and that's when I decided I think we need to upgrade this. One of one of the biggest topics of my Jewish holidays are just um, my cousin who's getting married in June. Actually, I'm I'm her bride's man. Amazing. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, she and her fiance have lived on Pine Street in the financial district for three years now in a studio, like straight. Studio. I don't even think it's 400 square feet. Mine was a straight studio. I, Are they that, tiny people? No. Like, not <laughs> like my cousin. She is tall for a girl. And he is, like, a nicely sized guy. Like, they, I, I, I equate it to, he works at Goldman. She works at Morgan Stanley. Like, they must never, never be there. there. But I, but when they're there, they always talk about how, um, like, one of them sleeps late. The others are up early. So, like, my cousin will kick him out early and be like, stop moving around. Go to the gym. Like, I don't know. It's amazing. All right, so let's talk about you know second homes. If you if you're in a studio and you want a, a weekend place, or you have a larger apartment, whatever. The idyllic coastal Connecticut town of Old Saybrook, one of my favorite favorite places, is one of the oldest colonial settlements in the state, dating back to 1635 when it was founded as the Saybrook Plantation. Old Saybrook is situated where the Connecticut River meets the Long Island Sound beautiful area of Connecticut, and it's edged with sandy beaches as well as several lighthouses, making it particularly picturesque, part of an already scenic state. It is that time of year when New Yorkers start dreaming about getting out of the city on weekends or for the summer or holiday or whatever. So, and many people have country places. So, Old Saybrook and the Connecticut shoreline is one area. The Hamptons, of course, is another place, New Jersey Shore. If you're in the market to escape from New York City, where are some of the good places to look these days? And where are people, where do you find people migrating to mostly in, in spots out of New York City? 
hear a lot about the Hudson Valley. Do you guys do a lot of stuff up mm-hmm. there? All the time. Um, love, love. Catskills. Lots Cat of people. Someone on my Valley. team is he now. He has a place over there. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, mean, like, I, I have a place up in the Catskills near Hunter Mountain, if anyone's Hunter, familiar. Hunter yeah, Mountain. like big skier here. Um, <laughs> I always used to be made fun of for having a place in the Catskills, but um, because well, the Catskills right. everyone was going to the Hamptons. Like right. It wasn't nice enough, and uh, now everyone's going to Hudson. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at a house in Rhinebeck to potentially Rhinebeck is my favorite place up there. Favorite. Mm-hmm. Favorite. But where else? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean we're, still the Hamptons and of course I have to say Miami, New York South, <laughs> Sixborough, New York. Uh, Tracy's very uh, tan dur- for during, everyone out there. <laughs> you don't see well, During the summer at door to door you can actually get to Miami faster than you can if you're driving out to the Hamptons well, I was, at certain times. I was just going to say that. So, so tell us a little bit about you know the commute there because people think oh my god that's Florida. Oh my god that's two hours. Two hours and 12 minutes and you know of course there's sometimes delays. I recommend that's taking the early door? morning that's flight. Not door door, no that's it? not door to door. That's yeah. in the air. But, in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah. but you know you, it can be six hours in the car with the Hamptons so you're yeah. are easily beating back. I have friends who have weekend places in Miami. They hop on a plane almost every weekend to Miami. Them. Thinking, that's well, that's same time crazy. zone, same coast. Yeah. It's so easy, and uh, it it is such a fantastic temperature almost always. <laughs> there you go. Did I you mean, four uh, nor'easters in March today. No, it's eighty degrees. Yeah. I know that. I know that Jersey gets a horrible rep, but I I know a lot the of Jersey people. Jersey Shore who, is lovely. Yeah, I know. Like, like in the like, Jersey Shore, yeah, is exactly. North, like North, love especially like North Central. Jersey Shore, like Long Branch, and um, people love Asbury. I have a bunch of clients who have houses in Deal. Like it's a big Deal is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, there's a big Brooklyn community there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people go to Connecticut. Like a lot of people go to Cape um, May is fab- fantastic. Yeah. My Real. best friends. Live in Darien, and yeah, I yeah, call it the Connecticut go. Beach. You know, uh, right, in, right in Point. It's so well, lovely that there. That's South an hour Sh- on the train. That's so right. Nice. That whole South Shore is really kind of amazing. Yeah. Hour on the train that's not packed with twenty-two-year-old frat boys and their beer spilling all over you. <laughs> we we've, we've covered frats and sororities. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we didn't mention Fire Island, which I know is sure. is not quite the Hamptons. It's, I mean, it's it's uh, you know it's off, the coast, off yeah. the coast. Another favorite place. It's so laid back, and my aunt and uncle have had a place there forever. This guy has spent many years there. Oh yeah, it's just it's so peaceful. You feel like you're in another world. Have you ever been, Matt? I have. I'm actually not a huge fan of the pines. It's not just the pines. What's the the other part? I forgot what's the other part. Cherry Grove. Yeah. My family built a house there in the 50s. It's uh, nice. Oh, wow. So cool. This is great architecture The house is actually there. taken by eminent domain by the uh, uh, park service. Yeah, of course. That's, that's the problem with, the, with Fire Island, actually. Yeah, it's, it's like Mexico. National <laughs> <laughs> it's like so, so they lost the house? <laughs> yeah, it, it was taken by the park service for National Seashore. Yeah. And then uh, we bought oh, wow. another one in the 90s. So. Did, did they pay an appropriate, I mean, like a market price no, for that? No, below yeah. market. Yeah. Oh, they never pay market price. One of the things I like about Fire Island is you feel like you're on Gilligan's Island because there are no <laughs> cars. Yeah, no right. cars. You're so walking nice. all over the place. Yeah. You're in half, yeah. you know, you're no clothes flip-flops. on. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I it, to me, it, I, I love the Hamptons, but I think Fire Island to me is paradise. Maddie's our Gilligan. Oh my God, I'm Maddie's so Gilligan. Gilligan. <laughs> I'm yeah. like drunk Gilligan stumbling home in Fire Island. <laughs> hey, no drunk driving. <laughs> you know how many people fall off those boardwalks and go oh down and you're like, where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> They'll find them in the morning. You know, <laughs> poison I, ivy and Lyme disease. That's, oh only, that's, only, down, that's only downsides of, of Fire Island. Never, in the, I've so had funny. some interesting trips. No, it's so funny because in the morning sometimes you're walking and you, you're still kind of sleeping. You're walking for coffee and you see somebody laying in the ravine or something. And you're like, oh, I wonder how they got there. And then think, well, that must have been a really good Someone night. Someone had a better night. night than you did. Someone had a much better night than I did. And thank God they were alive. And Vince walks so by and he doesn't even check their vitals. <laughs> yeah. He crosses the street. Hey, listen, first thing in the morning, coffee is premier. Yeah. We understand. I feel All right, we have to go to break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel, live from Blast Off Productions. Don't go away. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we are back. And so sometimes it seems as if New York brokers can catch, can't catch a break. The stereotype is that members of this species are rude, arrogant, aggressive, and more apt to talk than to listen. Do we talk too much? Is that what they're saying? While this may be a stereotype, it often clings to the people who actually help clients buy, sell, and rent apartments. So how important is it to not become one of these stereotype agents in this town? And the reason I ask that is because we, you know, we talk about this every week about, you know, how our business is, how it drives us crazy, how it makes us happy, how we run constantly busy, 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 busy. It's very easy to fall into the trap of being, as I described before, rude, arrogant, aggressive, more, you know, listening skills don't, don't work. You're talking too much, blah, blah. How important is it to not be one of these agents? Cause First I think it's all, very important. I have to jump in to say that actually there are a lot more of us who are ethical, honest, yeah. listen more than we speak, have the client's best interest in mind than the reputation belies. And that is absolutely speaking to everyone in this room. Anyone who heard Phil at the beginning of the show, I mean, are you a broker talking about, you don't care if you make money or not. That is like <laughs> pure altruism with this freely platform, which I think Thank is you. amazing. Um, so first of all, 
that definitely, um, I think that the exception proves the rule. And when you find brokers who are of that same ilk, we tend to like to work with each other and only do deals with each other. And if only but, it were that easy. But isn't but, it funny, though? You're absolutely correct. And there are so many more good ones like us, and we want to work with people like us, exactly. etc. But there's always that one rotten There's the shady in, Shadersons. Oh, there's yes. the one who lie to you. They're the stupid ones. You don't have to be smart in this business. It's not rocket science, but it helps if you are. And I and I have to say that, sure. I actually, you know, no offense to everyone else in the room, but it I try find that Tracy has one of the best reputations in our industry. Sure. So wow, like honestly, you. every single person has an incredible thing to say about her. So I think there's you, um baby. there's a lot more agents, you know, even just personality wise, that I think we used to be in an industry that had a reputation for being very cutthroat and head to head. And Correct. I think that much more, especially these days in the market that we're in, but also in the last few years, we all work together, you know, we all have the same end goal. So we really want to be able to have good relationships with each other and and I for one you know having grown up in the industry I always wanted to be the reason I left my team in the beginning of my career was that I worked for a shark and I really wanted to be a different kind of broker than my family was I wanted to be a nice friendly you know just um, cooperative broker and uh, thank you no I mean and I think and I think there's so many people that are like that these days and it's really nice to see he was a shark we're not. Let's let's talk Focus forward. Let's talk then. forward. Uh, push, push the forward button. Go ahead. My approach to the business is I like to represent myself, um, and I also like to represent the business as a whole and try to just you know raise the entire. Uh, you know standards for everybody. Um, just you know just by leading by example. Absolutely. Yeah, this look this business unlike a lot of other ones. Anyone could be a broker, unfortunately, mm-hmm. meaning that you can get your license. So Just go happens, to the real estate license schools. Right. So right. People go to the shows. They $500. See, they and- <laughs> see a million-dollar listing. They get excited. They get their license. And they just, you know, a lot of – not a lot, but some people are not cut out for it. And unfortunately, they do bring down the reputation of the others. Um, sure. But I wanted to also say, I hate to bring everything back to kind of freely and, and street easy, but I, do you, do you I, hate this is important. To? I don't yeah. think you hate to. No, I don't believe that. You know, I'm really not. You know, it's a I already gave you your plug there. Really, but but I, I will say, because I, I, I mean this at the core, what really bothers me maybe the most about the stuff that Street Easy has done is that this bait and switch platform that they have on the premier agent where the consumer thinks that they're being in touch with the listing agent, but really they're in touch with the buyer's agent drives me insane because it is exactly what we don't want to be as brokers. We don't want to trick people. We don't want to deceive people. So they're almost playing into what kind of like the reputation is on the negative stereotype. Exactly. And so that, that is just what we don't need. And so I'm I'm with all you guys. Like we we're 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 the standard bearers here, you know. And and back to agents who are new in the business, you know. Um one of the ones I'm mentoring I actually took with me on a pitch, which was very which could have been very controversial and risky, but um, I thankfully it went well. Like I got the listing, and I, one of the things that we were negotiating for the listing was the you know the commission for the co-broke and the commission for the direct buyer. And I'm very very flexible on my direct buyer commission because I always tell sellers I'm like not only are so many transactions co-broked these days, but we actively or I actively want to do a co-broke. I would I prefer to do a co-broke. Like with I a good broker with, on the other with, end. exactly with a good role. Like, I, I find that you know there are over thirty thousand agents 
in the city. But once you're in that top 500, like we not only all almost know each other, we all really we all have histories with each other so it's and really like nice to together. do cobros I vet, I vet the broker just as thoroughly as you know Absolutely. a co-op board vets totally. a buyer um you know especially when you're getting eight offers on a property mm-hmm. i had to who's going to be easy to work with who's going to be a good partner exactly Absolutely. put together a good board package right yeah sometimes exactly. they can i even had a conversation with a seller hey maybe it's honestly the, their buyer is not going to pay an extra 10 or 15 grand but i yeah. think for your sanity and for like your relationship and everything going forward that it's just better to take this person and this broker because what what does it really translate to what what does it really come down to referrals so you do a good job for your clients you're going to get more business hopefully from those clients and that that includes working with great brokers working with buyers who are cooperative etc etc good board packages as we talked about at the top of the show so they'll pass the board all of this stuff is as you say tracy not rocket science but it is complicated and it is difficult and you've got to have the right mix and personality to get this done successfully. I agree. And for newer agents, you know, don't only be hungry for clients. I, I'll never forget that one of my closest friends in the business, Robert Dornberg, who I love to oh. death, um, oh, he always said to me, he was like, make sure you network with agents, like network with agents, talk to brokers, you know, um, basically like ask them whatever you'd like, become friendly with them, become friends with them. Now, years later, some of my closest friends are brokers, but it's really important it's to counter, have that reputation. In the beginning, I totally yeah. agree. It's counterintuitive in the beginning of your career. You're at a party or or something and then you know you're with a group of people that you're networking with and then someone says they're an agent and then there's like this negative energy that enters the room between the two of you but it really should be the opposite because 95% of your deals are co-broke so you should be soliciting Absolutely. a broker when you're exactly. out and about. I do think that I've been in the business almost 15 years and I have seen a shift that it used to be that people were very as the markets have changed over time but I think people are a lot more um, forward thinking and seeing the bigger picture of how it does make sense to co-broke with, again, emphasis on a good broker on the other side of the deal. And it's no amazing. Way, Tracy's done. only 17. Yeah, and she's yeah. been in the business 15 years. I love you so much. <laughs> right, we, we have a few minutes left and I wanted to talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin oh, and other oh, cryptocurrencies really? are seemingly everywhere these days. Uh, Bitcoin is now accepted at a pizzeria and a nail salon in Fort Greene, in Brooklyn, a bakery Amazon. on the Lower East Side, and Montessori schools in Manhattan, not to mention at a Lamborghini dealership in South, Southern California. Tesla, I'm sorry, Microsoft. Montessori schools accept Bitcoin? Yeah, well, that's what it says. That's when it comes thinking. to real estate transactions, though, Bitcoin and other forms of cryptocurrency are still novel still a novelty and they take a lot of logistical consideration to actually use as a form of payment. But a handful of media savvy uh, people and real estate professionals have announced their willingness to accept Bitcoin in real estate. How is that going to possibly work? We have two minutes left. I don't love the whole Bitcoin real estate thing, but but I will say um, I I do love that Magnum is on the forefront of this, Magnum the developer, because I think they're one of the best developers in New York right now. So who else should be, you know, the starter of this? I, I give them a lot of credit. I, I, I don't view it. It's not really a currency. It's more like an asset. I mean, the I, I just don't I don't mm-hmm. think I'm very you should skeptical. Be, it, yeah, I mean, even different country. You know, it's fun. Funny, we were talking about Ray Lord before. He he was telling us about how in Argentina they use dollars instead of pesos mm-hmm, to it's conduct, a solid currency. Yeah, because yeah. It, you don't have like this pendulum swing right before your transaction closes. I mean, can you imagine if your Bitcoin <laughs> went from seventeen thousand to eight thousand the day before closing? I mean, we do crazy things before our closings, but if right. your 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 well, what you're trading for the property loses half its value. Absolutely, what does that say about the property? Whether, but, but I mean, but how how different is that? Then? And, you know, stocks. I mean, you could be buying something and you need to liquidate stocks two days before closing and all of a sudden 
some you know black mouth in government <laughs> says something and we're down 500 points. I mean, cryptocurrency is much more volatile than the stocks. Yeah, That's and, the and it is now. It may over time it may not be as much, but right now it is. But I'll say that it's not not so much Bitcoin, but it's the technology behind Bitcoin Correct. that is phenomenal and is here to stay. Blockchain well, technology that, is we'll like disrupt. We'll disrupt incredible that, concept, especially with real estate and with title and yeah. actually the craziness yeah. going on with Freely and Street Easy. Uh, blockchain technology could actually solve a lot of these problems we're yeah. having. Yeah. Right, Unfortunately, yeah, we have yeah. to leave it there. We're out of time. That's it's it for me. That is our show for today. Thanks to my guests and panel, as always. Until next time, always please be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.